0: Rent the American Dream? On Sunday, 60 Minutes did a story about the increase of rental prices around the country. Stay tuned, I have a lot to say about this. Hey everybody, this is Melanie Atkinson, Realtor with Smith & Associates in beautiful Tampa Bay, Florida. Now I know I'm not the only one who thinks this area is beautiful. So many people have decided to move here over the past couple years. But as I have talked about many times before, we're dealing with, and a lot of other cities are dealing with, very little housing inventory, both to buy or to rent. In 2021, the house prices and the rental prices in the Tampa Bay area went up around 25%. In some pockets, it went up even more than that. Now, it seems unfair to do that, but the high demand and lack of inventory is driving these prices up and consequently pricing people out. Now, let's get to the 60-minute story. I'll summarize it for you. Rent prices have gone up dramatically throughout the country, especially in the Sun Belt because a lot of people are migrating to these Sunbelt cities major wall street companies have jumped on the opportunity to make money on this migration by buying up modest homes and having them as rentals they pay cash for these homes and sometimes buy the home without an inspection which makes not accepting their offer very difficult for sellers to do gary berman was interviewed and he's the ceo of tricon residential and he said that they have 30,000 properties mostly in the sunbelt cities and they have an incredible demand for their product They have way more inquiries to rent than they actually have houses to rent, which I believe 100%. But when large companies pay cash for a modest home, then an actual person who wanted to buy that house and needed a loan to do so isn't able to compete with these cash offers. One couple in Jacksonville was interviewed and they moved there specifically to buy a home, but they've now been priced out of the area and their rent price increased 30% last year. That couple said that part of the American dream for them is to be homeowners, even if it's just a starter home. At the end of the report, the CEO of Tricon Residential said they make the dream of living in the suburbs in a hotel ready house accessible. Therefore, they're allowing people to rent the American dream. I have so many thoughts. My first reaction is to defend the definition of the American dream, because we all know that renting a house is not the same as owning one in terms of creating personal wealth, at least not in the historical sense. However, the issue is far more complex than that, and I want to make sure that I dive into all of it. First, the CEO of Tricon is not wrong. There are a ton of renters out there and a ton of people who don't want to be homeowners. Maybe they aren't sure where they want to live, or maybe they're fixing their credit or saving money, or maybe they're waiting for housing prices to go down. Whatever the reason is, there are plenty of people moving to Sunbelt cities who are looking to rent. So he has a point. There is a demand, and the purpose of a business is to service that demand in order to make a profit it's capitalism. They increase rent prices based on market value. Again, that's what happens when market demand outpaces market supply. We can scream and yell and say it's not fair, but the reality is I can't change basic economics and you probably can't either. So as someone that is on the ground level in one of the nation's busiest housing markets, I have to work with the current conditions and help people successfully navigate it. Now, I can say without a doubt that it is brutal out there for anybody looking to purchase a home who doesn't have equity from a house that they just sold or a lot of cash in the bank. Getting offers accepted for buyers who are financing a high percentage of their loan or don't have cash to cover an appraisal gap is close to impossible in a multiple offer situation. The 60-minute story is absolutely correct that a lot of people feel like they have been priced out of the market. It feels like these Wall Street companies are buying all the inventory that could go to actual home buyers. So i wanted to get into that a little bit and i wanted to look at some actual data to see if that was true so in order to look at some real data i looked at the community of brandon florida which is just outside of what i would think of as the city of tampa i love brandon for this exercise because it's always been a great community where housing has been pretty affordable over the years you know that two hundred fifty thousand 000 to five hundred thousand dollar price point is kind of a sweet spot in Brandon, but it's also exactly the price point that these large corporations are buying. So what I did was I pulled up the MLS for all of Brandon's three hundred dollars to $400,000 sales last year of single family homes. In Brandon for single family homes, between 300 and 400,000, 535 homes sold during 2021. Now, 157 of these were listed as cash sales just under 30% of the sales in one community in one year. Now, whether those sales were to large corporations requires going into the sales data for each individual one. Now, I did that, which took a long time, and my unscientific count came up with around 95 of these sales were to LLCs, at least 25 different LLC names. Now, I don't know how many of these were flippers or large corporations that are going to rent these properties, but 61% is a lot. But if you look at the data in a different way, it was actually only 17% of the total home sales in the community of Brandon in 2021 at this price point. So are these large corporations a factor? Absolutely. They bought 17% of the houses in that community in that price range last year. 83% of people either got a loan or paid cash and they're living in the house in my unscientific research. But still that's an optimistic number, 83%. It is not all going to large corporations. So on that optimistic note, I'd like to go back to the couple in the 60 Minutes interview. Here's my question. If the large corporations weren't competing in our market, then we would have more home buyers actually be successful and thus less renters and less demand for the large corporations. Because even though, like I said before, there are a lot of people who are choosing to rent because they want to rent, there are also a lot of people who are renting because they have to rent because they haven't been successful in getting a house. These are the people that I worry about. So large corporations buy the houses, so people can't buy the houses, thus they have to keep renting and pay more for their rent than they would for a mortgage. It's a vicious cycle. If you are one of these frustrated home buyers, I hear you. How do we make sense of this and how do we get out of the cycle? Prices have changed very quickly for people and they're trying to deal with increases from everything from gas to potatoes. But if you take one thing away from this episode, please remember this. Do you know what doesn't change? Do you know what you can count on and budget for and know that somebody isn't going to increase 30% the next year? It's your fixed 30-year mortgage or your fixed 15-year mortgage. Whatever the length of time is, if your mortgage is fixed, then your principal and interest payments stay the same for the life of the loan. Now think about what that means. When you're trying to budget for the year, you know what your monthly housing costs are going to be. Now, you might have utility fluctuations or tax fluctuations, but in general, you know what you're going to be paying every month for housing. What a relief that is. So, I want you to start the process of thinking of home ownership or diving farther into home ownership by understanding the value of this fixed cost. On your whole economic picture. Okay, so if you're struggling, I have some tips for you. You can watch a whole bunch of other videos where I give you tips too. A lot of these are repeats, but I'll put them here too. And I have a lot more if I talk to you personally. First, get a realtor that knows what they're doing, one with experience, one with a track record of being successful in the past couple of years in the current market conditions. This market requires all hands on deck. You're going to need a team around you and all the creativity that you can get. Start saving. Pause for dramatic effect. Start saving as much as you possibly can. You will absolutely have to make sacrifices. It's not fun, but it's part of the process keep it up. It will all be worth it. Number three, consult with a mortgage broker and see if there's anything that you need to do to repair your credit. See if there's any first time home buyer programs that you can use and also just get tips from them. Pick their brains, find out what's working for their other clients. They're a wealth of information and they're on your side. Number four, do not expect your first home to be perfect. I know it's really hard to look at the Pinterest homes and to look at your fixer-upper and see the vision. The vision takes time. You have to start with one house to get to the next house and the next house, and then the dream house. I tell a lot of my clients that I bought my first townhouse in the Tampa area with a $25,000 down payment. That one down payment has been the seed for every single house I have lived in since then. Number five, look for up and coming areas that may have better deals. You may have a longer commute, but this is what's really great for a lot of remote workers. They don't have commutes anymore. So if you're one of those people and you can live a little farther away from the city centers, do it. Visit the city on the weekends. There will be plenty of things that will come to your neighborhood. And also if it's not the perfect location, remember it's just the first house. So I want to thank 60 Minutes for making me think a lot about this. It's conversations that I have with my buyers a lot. And I will go back to the American dream, which I didn't want to talk about in the beginning, but I do want to talk about now because it's very important. Renting creates wealth for the person who owns the home. That is why homeownership has always been part of the American dream. Not just because people want to live in a hotel ready house in the suburbs, like the CEO said, but because it creates an opportunity for prosperity. It is one of the main ways that we as Americans have historically created individual and generational wealth. In the pursuit of happiness, you can conjure up images of white picket fences and families gathered around the table. I 100% believe in home ownership as a part of the American dream for the wealth it can provide and the stability and the comfort. But do I believe that my American dream is the same as everybody else's? Absolutely not. If your American dream is living in a different city and renting in those different cities every year, then go for it. Maybe renting gives you the security that you want because you don't want the responsibility of owning a house. I understand that to each their own, but we all need to navigate this together. It is very difficult and we have to make room for each other. The only control I have over this is to continue to give you guys information and to do the very best I can to give the dream of homeownership to my clients. This is a very complicated subject. I'm sure everyone will have lots to say about it. I would love to hear your comments. I certainly do not have all the answers. However, I do wish you all luck in finding whatever your American dream is. You've been listening to the Melanie Loves Tampa Bay podcast experience. Thank you for your support. Consider subscribing if you want to learn about real estate, home ownership, or living in the Tampa Bay area. You can also follow me on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links are in my show notes. Or visit my website, melanielovestampabay.com. See you in the next episode. With love, Melanie.